Uh, am I first? Yeah, you're first. I'm James Kane. Wait. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Do that, do that better. But, but um, that is right, though. Yeah. Okay. Hello, I'm James Kane. And I'm Cassandra Teese. And welcome to the Tony Club. Where we read and re-examine the Tony Award winners for Best Play and Best Musical year by year. And yearly is how often our podcast comes <laughs> it has out. It's probably been about a year. Because we don't bother to record anything because we are very busy with but, our very busy lives. But, but also, that's, we've, like, we've tried on this one. Yeah, like, we really we have, have tried. really, really um, tried. James just earlier went to go take the, the book that we'd gotten out of the play library down at the drama school uh, to um, the back to the library. Nola Miller uh, Library. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to them. Awesome yes, work. very good. Supply a lot us. of the Tony Club place good good book, um, a book house there's yeah. a, it's like a book house of, it's a book house of books where yeah you can there's some great of books yeah and there. you can just say i like this book and they go oh okay it's an amazing amazing new innovative book. it's an innovative development revolutionized of, of book technology but anyway um yeah it was james went in to return it and you said the, the the librarian said that we could just keep it because we've had it for so long and they don't care about it and <laughs> we don't we care, don't care about, about it either. we couldn't make it through it but uh um, yeah, so, more on what that is later Yes, so we've been stuck on the 1960 Tony Awards. We finally made it through the 50s. We finally made it through the 50s, and that should be cause of celebration. And this is actually a very, very exciting Tony Awards. This is like a a, a really cool one. We've got lots of known people. Yeah. Um, that we actually recognize the names of. I'm sure everybody else, of course, was very known at the time as well, but we're millennial Philistines and we okay. don't recognize lots of the names. We're the worst generation. Um, whereas this this year, recognize a lot of the names. I recognize a lot of the shows and so have a lot of opinions on them. And of course, this is the first Tony drawer and potentially the only Tony drawer. I can't think of any other ones, but we might discover some more later down the track as we age into our I like, 40s and I like get to the end of the Tony So awards. when Kaz was talking, she like looked at me being like, do you know of another drawer? And I'm like, no. I have no clue. Yeah. Um, it, this is the thing that I hear on a lot of podcasts of like, uh, it's like Punch Up the Jam as well. They were like, why are we the two people talking about this? You are, I understand totally, because you, <laughs> you immerse yourself in musical theatre. But kind of my knowledge, knowledge but... of the Tony Awards dates back to about 2011, which yeah. isn't really extensive. Um, <laughs> so we should get on to talking about the 1960 Tony Awards. Yeah, we don't remember um, how, how we do all of this. So yeah, just... I mean, well, it's been quite loose in the past and it's continuing to be loose. We want to, um, we just, we had a chat, we want to make it looser. So if that's not your jam... Um, oh my God, if you like really well-edited <laughs> podcasts, this is not going to be the place come for here. you. All right. All right. Um, so we're going to start off by looking at Best Play of this year, 1960, uh, which was The Miracle Worker by William Gibson. And now we have to say that this is the one that we got out from the library that we just... Couldn't we, do it. And, and, and we're going to be honest here, we have not finished reading this play. No. We got through Act 1. We did a also, full year of working on this episode, being like, we're definitely, definitely going to do it. Having it in the gotta room. Got to read this play. The, the, we the got eyes through fucking ha- Tennessee Williams. No, no, ten- we love Tennessee Williams. T.S. Eliot's um, dry, dry-ass one, you know, many, many years ago. At least that one had ago. verse. This one, it just had, like, the glaring, guilty-looking eyes. Well, guilting us eyes of uh, Helen Keller staring out from the cover on our sh- bookshelf for a full year. As we had this one sitting there, and we kept thinking, it's "Oh, like, we're going to pick it up." Uh, well, the, I, it's looks it looks like a still from like a, a film that they've made. Like yeah, a there's definitely a thing. film adaptation. So maybe of we should have just watched that and just. Uh, but I don't know. like watching the film if you have the option to read the play because we're I, not judging. This isn't a film podcast. I just saw the trailer for um, Sound of Music to remind me, and Cass was like, "This is 
messing us up. I'm we're like, not. We didn't. The film's not the same as the one that's going to come back. But in then a bit. that trailer was in seventy millimeter. It was advertising with seventy millimeter. It looks yeah. beautiful. It's a really good. We should. Watch we got to get up in there. Um, see yes. some beautiful so Christopher the, Plummer. The Miracle Worker is a play about Helen Keller, renowned activist and inspirational hero, I guess, to many abled people that are always inspired by. But is it really? Is it really about Helen Keller? <laughs> Um, but in fact, it's actually about the the woman that taught her that, to speak and communicate. Um, her is, nurse. And there's a lot of words that are like there's a lot of like uh, descriptors that are like ah trained her and stuff like that. Like it's yeah, very... it's a very old fashioned way of looking at yeah, disability. Yeah. Um, and the blind community and the deaf community. <laughs> um, and it's it's very much this whole thing of Helen Keller was a savage beast, and then this wonderful young Irish woman What's came name? to tame Annie her. Annie Sullivan, yeah. Um, so yes, it's about the, Annie Sullivan, who's the governess of Helen Keller. Um, the first act that we is the part that we read um, shows Miss Sullivan entering the Keller household and encountering all the members of the family, all of whom are at different levels of their wits end, with young Helen, who is running around and causing mayhem. There's the father, who's kind of brusque. Um, yeah, there's the brother, who's the, kind of a dick. The brother's a massive dick. Yeah, I was wondering like, if they were going to end up together. Like I, think, Annie I feel and like that's a thing that might happen. Like I don't know. That, all those fucking stories end up like that. Yeah. Um, um, and then the mother, who's just kind of, oh, oh dear. I wish things would be better here. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there were some doctors, some, you know, black servants that have very few lines. There was Anagnos, who <laughs> um, was this, like, Greek dude that was looking after Annie in, a, like, a blind yeah, orphanage. Yeah, the thing is, Annie herself was is blind. Is partially blind. Um, or... Is partially blind yeah. and had been taught through a, a school. So that's how she's got the, the skills and the gumption to teach Helen. So it's, it's, you know, it's basically just an inspirational true life story. Um, there's been a lot of True Life Story 20 play winners at this time, right? Yeah, what have we had? So, I mean, we've got that. We had the Anne Frank one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had yeah. so many things based on the, you know, the Japanese theatre of war in World War Two. Yeah. Like, um, two or three. Sunshine Moon, what's it called? That one, the, the Tea House of the August Moon. That's the one, Tea House we've of the August Mr. Moon. We've Mr. got Mr. Rogers, Captain Rogers. Captain... Captain something. Captain... Not Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Captain that's the Phillips. guy. That's the guy from the neighborhood. Um, uh, that, the uh, first one. I don't know. That was the same. Yeah. And then was a couple, you know, and then obviously South Pacific involves that as well. Um, it's it's that sort of is is the thing of the time, I guess, is that people are very interested in inspirational truths. Oh, we also had the J, the, not um, JFK, the um, uh, FDR story yeah. about his it was polio. Yeah, polio situation. What was that? What else have we had? We had the psychological thriller one. That was like ah, oh, we're ready. the one with the the, the house invasion. The, yeah, the four poster, still the worst. Oh, that um, sucked. That one sucked. Good um, lord! A lot of really bad plays. Musicals have been so outdoing it. You know, yeah. you cast a mind back to some of the musicals, and they've just been thrilling. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So the Miracle Worker, we don't really have very much more to say. Um. But the thing that we really should point out, which is kind of amazing, and you know, kind of speaks to this time, is that it beat out the now considered to be a you know international classic that stood the test of time a raisin in the sun um by lorraine hansbury yeah, yeah which obviously was this hugely historically mon- momentous event of having this play by a black female writer hmm. up on broadway that was speaking to the african-american condition hmm. and i'm sure is one of those things that you know 
people will look back on and regret the fact this that they is, decided to go for the miracle worker. This is instead. Crash. This is Crash. This is yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. This is Bohemian Rhapsody didn't win best. Oh, Green Book. No, sorry, this I get is Green that. Book. <laughs> Green Book. Uh, Shakespeare in Love. Even though I like that movie. Oh no, not Shakespeare. That's not a good example. But you know, it's that thing. It's yeah. So we've gotten a much more. I guess edgy play <laughs> that's it's much better uh, as well as more uh, socially interesting I guess it, it's speaking to a social condition at the time it's the 60s we're about to go into this era of change and civil rights and so forth and yeah instead they're gone for the here's a nice little historical story that's um, about inspirational figures of history and Raisin in the um, Sun I mean it's just continued to be uh, a, a text that has as resonance and is, is kind of remembered yep <laughs> um, so the rest of the plays there's uh, Gore Vidal Gore Vidal Lillian Hellman um, both of whom oh, I know of Paddy Chayefsky but haven't seen any of these Paddy Chayefsky have heard of but I, I don't know any of the three plays which um, are nominated here which is The Best Man by Gore Vidal The Tenth Man by Paddy Chayefsky yeah Chayefsky yep. And Toys in the Attic by Lillian Hellman. Chayevsky usually is kind of more well-known for um, screenplays. Uh, he's probably most well-known mm. for his one, uh, Network, which is... Oh, as one he's of... that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's an, an iconic um, screenwriter. Uh, and I imagine, uh, just by looking through, that he probably got a start in uh, in theatre. Um, but yeah, he, he's won multiple kind of Academy Awards. Uh, but this one doesn't even, on Wikipedia, doesn't even have a link to the play The Tenth Man. Um so it's probably a pretty obscure play. Um, what else do we have? Toys in the Attic. What's that about? A um, dysfunctional family. Don't know very much, but Lillian Hellman, I think, is most well known for The Little Foxes. Oh, um, right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she's, again, a person that I, I know of, but I have not actually read any of her work. So Ooh, if it comes back. She was romantically involved with fellow writer and political activist Dashiell Hammett. Oh, that's nice. You know, detectives. two completely different people that you know different just artistic backgrounds. Bumping, um, bumping. So the other thing that's quite interesting and... in this year in the plays section is that once again nominated but not winning is Sidney Poitier for A Raisin in the Sun, um, which is pretty cool. I think that's his first appearance in the the Tony's world. Yeah, um, yeah, so so. Yeah. Ah, and Sweet Bird of Youth came out this year. Um, yes. Tennessee Williams, which I haven't read. Oh, it's great. Yeah, uh, it's a really cool uh, script. It's uh, not as maybe not as strong as um, uh, Streetcar or, or Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, but it's still a, a really beautiful text yeah. um, that I really recommend. Yeah, Elia Kazan got nominated for best director on that. But yeah, Miracle Worker swept up. Arthur Penn for best direction of a play. Yeah, so that was the the one to beat that year. So I think that's about all we need to say about the Miracle Worker. Yeah. Um, should we move on to best musical? So this is very exciting yeah um this category it's huge because we've got our first tie Mm -hmm. and we have our first one where we've got six nominees and i know of five of them (laughs) (laughs) which is amazing i don't know that Um, cool so uh our two winners here are the sound of music classic beautiful um and fiorello exclamation mark which uh is definitely fairly obscure for the modern day um and so we'll talk about both of those um but bef- not before mentioning that even though these two tied for Best Musical winner, nominated but not winning was Gypsy, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Like, I think you, if you told me that Sound of Music and Gypsy were both in a year in which there was a tie for Best you know, Musical winner, you would think that those would be the two that were tying for Best Musical because they're such 
yeah iconic shows that are still produced all the time and have had this long legacy um even though yeah sound of music is probably more the the movie that's had the big legacy but gypsy's movie is also pretty good yeah um i don't think i've seen that one actually yeah yeah and there's also once upon a mattress which is not a show i'm very familiar with but i know is still produced quite a lot um what's it about um it's uh, princess and the pea i think oh i see yeah it's a music yeah it's and it's by um like for kids or for no i think it's for an all ages thing but it's um it's yeah it's it's quite often done by schools because it's more like family appropriate i guess yeah than gypsy like a controlling gypsy well gypsy was done in my high school um as was sound of music (laughs) both during the time i was there gypsy was there when i was uh in year nine so this transitions us into history with the musical yeah so sound of music i grew up watching on tv all the time um it's one of my faves when I was a small kid, along with Mary Poppins, to Julie Andrews' classics. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about our copy of Sound of Music is that my mum had taped it for me on VHS of the television, which meant that our VHS copy went all the way to the wedding, and then it just stopped because the VHS is too small to hold. Like, Sound of Music's really, really long. Yeah. So with the ad breaks included, it just didn't actually fit on the vhs so i always knew like my mother had told me when we got to the end of the tape she'd be like okay so what happens then is that the nazis come and they have to escape and they escape over the mountains so you got no um <laughs> so most of the called? final like the the bit where they go in the singing competition what do you what the bit uh, where they have to oh, hide Abelweiss. from rolf and the and the and the thing well edelweiss is earlier but we don't have the reprieve but you didn't get that that link yeah, back in none of the payoff yeah so it was only as an adult that i then watched the full sound of music i was like oh this is what happens that whole at the end. scene in the church where yeah. the guy lets them go yeah so there's a whole lot of stuff which i just hadn't realized even though i really really loved it growing up as a kid um it was also the first show that i ever saw live whoa um yeah which i hated because it was different from the film and yeah so that's right i just yeah. cried and my mom had to take me out of the theater oh um, it's like an origin uh, yeah so story. it's a very long it's I have like a long bruce wayne seeing the opera like, yeah i have a long entangled like history it. with sound of music um and yeah they did it in my high school as well um though i was not in it because i was doing an, an outside of school show at the same time i know it was so yeah. Cass had to choose between miss saigon and the sound of music. well i got cast in miss saigon oh, and I, I was see. like oh shall i take it or shall i do the school musical let's find out what school musical is and they're like it's sound of music and i was like eh, i don't know if i'm gonna get any roles in that it is very so, white <laughs> so i i just assumed that it'd probably be best to go for the chorus role in the big show rather than try to go for a lead in my school production mm. Right. So my history with this is um, both the two ones that you mentioned that were Julie Andrews, uh, Mary Poppins and Santa Music. I had, um, well, I had obviously heard of, of Sound of Music, but I never actually seen it. I had done a, uh, and the reason that I, I must have heard of it is because I did a, a theater sports scene um, where we were, I, would, I was doing uh, a performance in between uh, the Sheila Wynn um, Regionals Festival. I think and then it was so cool this is a bit of a tangent um so there was like a big cauldron um there and so people were dressed up as witches and they would be like serving punch and stuff like that and you'd come in and it'd be all like misty and everything like that um and uh we were doing this scene i think we were waiting for the judges deliberations uh and i for some reason it was set in egypt um and uh at one particular point i was like the pyramids are alive with the sound of 
sand or something like that. I said something very funny. And then everyone <laughs> As you could tell from that. It was, it was hilarious. hilarious. They were rolling. Oh, sand what? So James was quoting The Sound of Music before he had seen The Sound I of Music. I know, because it was just entrenched in the culture, as I'm mm. sure that you are aware as well. But I only actually saw it um, when, about like, oh, how many how many Christmases ago now? Two years ago. Like two years. I saw it on Christmas Day um, and it was delightful because I, you know, you think with something like Titanic or Avatar or Sound of Music, those shows that you've, uh, films that you feel like you've seen, uh, but then you actually see the damn thing. You're like, oh no, there is a hell of a lot more to this story um, than than what I've just kind of gleaned and picked up around pop culture. Uh, and it was delightful. So I'm really, really glad that I actually was able to sit down and see it. Because I feel like when you're a young boy, um, you know, you have those dumb, toxic attitudes of like, oh, no, I can't see that. That's a, that's a girly film. It's about <laughs> escaping Nazis. That's so girly. Um, uh, or, you know, singing in general. In general, you're told is um, dumb and boring. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's my history with it. Fiorello. Yes, sorry. Did you have any knowledge of Fiorello at all? I had heard about this dope mare, like, very <laughs> young. I was, there was like, this guy wears a fucking hat. He is iconic. No, no I had no, no context for Fiorello. So yeah, Fiorello I had literally only heard of as people naming it in lists of musicals. And that was all I knew about it. Mm. Um, and that it had, a, you know, whenever it's got an exclamation mark at the end, you know, a la Oliver... Um, it's you know it sticks out in the list you know who he reminds me of Uh, if you if you are sitting at your home being like who is this dope motherfucker Uh, I want you to google him and like look at that silhouette that he has of like the hat he reminds me of you know the Peter Sellers like intro I mean the the Pink Panther intros with Inspector Clouseau the how Clouseau is represented yeah 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 I can see that he reminds me of Cartoon Clouseau um, so should we talk about, um, each of those in turn? Should we talk about Fiorello since we're on it right now? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So Fiorello is the story of Fiorello LaGuardia, um, the New York City mayor Guardia. in the, um, 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. Right. In the thirties, um, who was beloved, um, thus the fact that they made this kind of hagiographic musical about his life. Um, you know, you may recognize the name LaGuardia from the, the airport that's there. Um, but that's basically his main kind of legacy right now, hmm. though at the time, at the time. Um, he was, yeah, huge. yeah, really, really this, this huge towering figure, um, because he like, it was at the time where I think it's kind of just before the like Republican Democrat platform switch thing. Cause you know, there used to be the Republicans were the liberals and the Democrats were the conservatives and then they switched over. Yeah. Um, so I think at this point he's Republican, which means that he's like really pro the unions and the working class. There's a lot of unions. So the opposite yeah. of the the, <laughs> the Republicans of today. Um, and at the time, there is like this particular the Tammany Hall like thing, which I don't understand exactly what it is. It's to do with the way that the mayoral the mayoralty is run is that it's very corrupt uh yeah are corrupt and uh, are wanting to ensure that they maintain control (laughs) and and oust um uh because where's laguardia starting is he still is he mayor at this point or no um oh man it's the 1910s we don't even get this (laughs) oh it goes from the 1910s to the 30s yeah yeah that's the thing okay good so we're not completely and the most memorable Um, thing that happens in it is in the 30s near the end yeah so basically he's a he's a lawyer 
um, who is always trying to help out the little guy. Um, and he's got the secretary. People come um, up to him and he's like, hey, out. yeah, I can sort And that. then, like, the um, like female, the strikers at the shirtwaist factory um, have all, um, they're getting arrested by the police for striking. And so um, LaGuardia decides to come in and help them out. He empowers them um, through song. Empowers them through song. And then eventually and that, he decides that, to run for Congress. And that hat, everyone's like, oh, God damn it, that that little hat. They don't actually say that, but I feel like, you know, if you were to redo this again, then I think emphasis mm-hmm. on the hat. So, yeah. Then he's going for Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, he One of the songs marries, is, the name's uh, LaGuardia. He marries the lady who runs the um, strike. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, uh, and then war breaks out. And so then he decides to go leave for the war. Um you know, he just does some fighting, comes back, and that's kind of the act break, right? Yeah, that's that right? kind of the end of the end of the act. At the meanwhile, there's also this sort of um, side plot where there's another friend of um, his love interest, uh, Taya, her friend Dora, who's like uh, falls in love with a police officer, and she's a striker. That's right. And he's a police officer, so they can never be. What's that terrible then, song? And so she's this awful song called "I Love a Cop." I love a cop. <laughs> Which is like very out of tune. It's just I guess it's supposed to be a character I voice. I love a cop. It's just something like that, it, right? It has like I love a cop. Yeah. I love a cop. <laughs> and that's exactly how her voice sounds. That's how it goes. It's very, it's, it's very poor sounding. And that's one of the most of memorable musical. songs in this um, the whole Because musical. it's bad. Because the rest of the songs are kind of not bad. They're just, you know, forgettable. There's, there's this a lot whole, of very forgettable songs. There's this, this whole show. thing in the second act where um, he's, LaGuardia is going to give like a public speech. And that there are people out there... Uh, some corrupt uh, people on the opposite side or, or gangsters or something yeah. are like trying to kill him by dropping a bunch of bricks uh, <laughs> around where he's going to be standing. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. But he decides not to do the public speech. Or he has to go because something's been on fire, I think. Um, uh, anyway, he doesn't get... Um, oh, but Thea dies. That's right, his wife so dies. This is the thing, is his wife dies. Because um, it must happen in real life, so it's like, yeah, okay, musical has like, to adapt to uh, this. Yeah, so she, she's, she's ailing. Um, and then at the very end, um, he decides that his loyal secretary, Marie, who's been with him since the very start, yeah. um, he decides to marry her. Um, and it's and so it literally weird. happens. It comes out of the blue. It's, it's, it's funny, and it's, it's, it's very much in the same way that's parodied in Gutenberg the musical. That's right. The... Where he says, like, I'm firing you as my secretary, but I want to hire you as my wife. <laughs> it's, like, not exactly those words, but it's pretty much pretty the exact much. same. Yeah, like, I, wonder, I wondered if it was a direct reference. Um, and then she's, she's got uh, a song called The Very Next Man, where she was like, I'm going to marry the very next man that proposes to me. <laughs> sing, sing, sing. And then a scene yeah. later, LaGuardia comes in and he's like, hey, how about it? My wife is dead. I don't know how much time has passed at this point. It's probably yeah. a couple of years, but um, it just obviously because real life events that is most likely what happened. I imagine so. Trying to shoe that shoehorn that into a musical, it's like it doesn't. You know, I guess that's you know it's accurate to life, but it doesn't fit into a traditional kind of structure. So it just feels quite yeah odd. So I mean, how do we feel generally about Fiorello? Because it's just. It just doesn't really make very much of an impact. No. Um, personally, like I think it's something which you need to have a lot of investment in the goings and comings of New York City politics in this particular early twentieth century era, which I do not <laughs> know about or really care about. Yeah, it's like if you made um, a musical of what's his name, uh, Cuomo. What's his name? Yeah, Cuomo. Yeah, and it's like, 
yeah people at the time might be into it but like 50 years down the line you know (laughs) like uh, is he is he gonna be a, a huge kind of pillar like i mean there's not a huge pillar now but there's yeah. not a huge pillar now, you know. <laughs> um but yeah it, it's it, there's just not there's a lot of very there's a lot of historical details which they're like you know what we need to definitely put a full song about this thing yeah this is which important. is quite this dry and it just it, it's really quite dry and i think if the same content there's a good version of every story hmm. um and i think this exact same content with a more rousing score potentially could have elevated it, but just the score itself is not very interesting. It's, and, and it's I, quite forgettable. I never f- feel like I, I get to know um, Fiorello like Fiorello's properly kind as a of character. A caricature in a lot of the things, he's kind of just like uh, just a this rousing, good guy, positive good guy. Yeah, and, you know, who's like he does, he's a little bit obstinate. Um, and if you think of something like 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 a musical like right Hamilton, thing. where you're getting to know Alexander Hamilton, like obviously yeah. a completely different time, but like but in you, terms of American are, political musicals, yeah, there are qualities around Hamilton where you're like, oh wow, he's really hot headed and stubborn and stuff and like all that. All of but the characters are very memorable, in, in fact, as well. Yeah, um, in so, that you, so you have a sense of them growing of their of their triumphs and their failures yeah um because but there's no real character here it's just this earnest like propaganda piece yeah, of like it's a guy oh, who's always in the great. right and it's very much there's not very much of a complication of his legacy it's very much just like this is this guy who is cool all the time yeah and it's um, a similar like like the fdr one of yeah Polio, where it's and just I think like it's, it's, what it's, a beautiful man it's in some ways it's the era where yeah. like we had there was it was harder for people to criticize you know beloved public figures i guess at this time and it's not the thing that they're um, interested in, in taking in like. yeah not the thing that people would be interested in producing on Broadway I guess mm. but yeah it just means that it makes for a less interesting story and it also means that everybody feels we, we, nobody feels very invested in any of these characters like I don't feel any investment in no. Fiorello or any of these other characters around him I didn't I'm, mind like the gamblers and stuff like that because then you were getting like tropes of like oh welcome to the gambling you know there's like a and gambling like, song I would like that you know if we look back at another previous one that we didn't really like but had some benefits like pajama game as the the union yeah. kind of the female unionist kind of character I, I i do appreciate that being um somebody that's in there that's i think quite interesting yeah particularly in the 60s where or the like 1960 where there's still a pretty big divide between working women and the the housewife um, and it's it's not so expected that women are going to be working and not only working but also going out and campaigning for workers' rights. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's it, it, I think the the fact that they include those characters is quite interesting, even yeah. though we don't really get to see a huge amount of them. We don't really get a full sense of their personality. Yeah, they're like cardboard kind of cutouts. Like we never, there, there's no real character in here that feels like an actual. Yeah, so I think that the overall of it, it's just say it's just too dry, and I think that either a more interesting book or more interesting songs, it just needs something that would have been able to elevate it because the same, I, I'm sure that there is an interesting story here, like all political kind of intrigue, there is a way to make it interesting, but we don't quite get a sense of the stakes. Yeah. In this, like. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah. it's like it's like comedy, like you know we lose the context, but it's like you know like stuff like Hamilton or, or thinking of of the the history uh, plays by Shakespeare, like yeah, we're given we... enough context to care about these people and yeah. and what they're invested in, what they want to fight for. And you don't need to understand the context at all, but you need to understand the stakes and yeah. why this person cares so much about the thing. We don't have to actually understand what the political context is, and I think this one actually focuses too much on 
like this is why it just sort of it includes all the details right. about Tammany so Hall and the unions context. and all of that stuff, but it doesn't establish the stakes or why we should care about. Yeah, any of the it. people. Like yeah. that's ultimately why we're hearing stories of seeing yeah. stories. It's... So that's I think the the issue with that one. Yeah. Um, I should move over to the the other one. Now Let's the music. Talking of characters and stories and people so we care about. What more can we really say about sound of music that hasn't been said a million times? Um. Well, so people like hearing it a million times. It's, they, you it's like sound of music. To hear us reiterate it's, it. It's got, like, if you compare this, this has got an, a classic score. All of the songs are bangers, pretty much, except for the couple of ones that they, <laughs> the couple of ones they cut from the movie, like the, um, uh, the, I don't the know one, if I know them. No Way to Stop It is probably the big one. What do they sing um, about it there? That's the Baroness and Max the Friend um, Who's Max the friend again? Uh, you know he's like uh, in the movie. So James is. Uh, I don't think been has seen this as a play. He's only seen the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, it's them talking about, I guess, what's happening in the the historical context. Wait, who is Max? Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I forgot about what the, I talked about the song. Um, so Max is the the friend of the captain, who just is around. You know, he's just a guy. Is he like Pickering? Yeah, he's 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 the captain. He's the picker of the group. Yeah, he's just the other guy that's. There. Is he is he coded gay as well? Mm, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I'm sure you could do that. <laughs> yeah. He's just kind of around. He's just. Okay. Um, and every so often he comes in, he's just like, "Hey, I think you guys should be a band." <laughs> like he just sort of. He is just chips on with stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, so can we just recap the other Rogers and Hammerstein that have been around in the Tonys before? We have South Pacific, so which King and it? I. Um, uh, and we didn't get Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Carousel, Carousel. I think earlier, so they might have been pre Tony's musicals. So, um, where should we start? Should we just start synopsis? Um, I mean, I feel like pretty much everybody knows, but let's a quick, quick um, synopsis. So we've got Maria. No good. N- nobody likes a something like Maria. <laughs> Maria is a postulant nun, so she's like kind of a nun in training at the nunnery, singing all the time. She is always singing and not minding her manners during prayers and so forth. That ain't a nun. Being youthful and uh, you know giddy, and so they like, yeah, you got to go out into the world before you come back and be a nun. And so she's like, all right, I'm gonna go out into the world. And so she goes off and finds a job as a governess um, to. Captain Von Trapp and his children, of which I believe there are six or seven. seven. We were trying to think of what the... There's, seven children. There's a boy in the movie, and I'm sure like people try and nail it in the musical as well. I think he's called Klaus or something. Uh, but Kurt. I Kurt. Kurt. Kurt is so fucking good in the movie because he's just <laughs> so like, hmm. And then also the little, little girl. Um, Gretel, the best one. Gretel. Gretel, Gretel's the best of the children. Um, but we've got, and the kids, we've got Liesel, the oldest, basic growing into womanhood. She's the one um, that marries, she's, I mean, likes the Nazi. She, so she has a um, flirtatious relationship with the delivery boy, Rolf, who Rolf. we later find out has joined the Nazis because we are in, uh, you know, pre-World War II Austria. Got to mention that. Heads up. Um, then, yes. Frederick, Friedrich. Luisa, Kurt, Brigitte, Marta, and Gretel. What do all these other um, kids do? They just sing with them? They all just do kids. They, they all hang out. Um, you know, they don't really have any main plot. Um, no. They just kind of all have different little personalities and things. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Maria instantly is beloved by the children. Well, not instantly. At first, they kind of tease her and are mean to her because she's a new governess. But she wins them over quite fast. Yeah. Um, and then she also slowly begins to warm the heart of Captain Von Trapp, who was very uh, strict and icy at the start. Which is not good because he's engaged to the Baroness. Elsa uh, Schrader. 
who's perfectly nice. She's a very nice She woman. seems lovely. She's, she's wearing very, that beautiful dress. She's just not very motherly. No. Um, and yeah, that's right. So she can't the, connect yeah, with the kids. Yeah, the kids don't really like her very much. Mm. And um, the captain just, just isn't feeling it with her, really. It's not happening. Yeah. Like, it's more of a marriage of convenience. She's a because, Sinjin, yeah. um, and, and, and Maria is a Rochester. She is <laughs> fully passionate. So, yeah. Um, basically... Uh, at some point, the Baroness sees the writing on the wall and is like, look, you should just marry Maria because you love her. And so she bows out again, being very mature. Now, the captain, um, d- the captain he needs to chill out, right? What's his arc? Well, he needs to just so be yeah, like... He's just very strict at the start. Yeah. He's very strict. He's got his whistle blowing it. Kids all standing in line. That's right. Um, you know, he's he's very much cares about order and he's structure. He's a captain, yeah. Um, and runs his, his house like a captain. And he's also just, he's in still like, you know, Mrs. dead wife. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, I, th- I thought we were talking about well, <laughs> how, how this is, again, Christopher um, Blummer. I know it's a movie, movie, but, like, okay, one of the requirements for the captain should be that you're, like, a secret babe. Yeah, I feel like the captain is usually a babe. Yeah. Um, but it, it was not Christopher Plummer in the the original production. Who was it? Um, the guy, Theodore Beichel. Sounds Beichel, hot. Um, who was Austrian-American. Okay. Um, um, I've only got a photo of him that's very, very old. old. <laughs> so, yeah. don't know. Who's in the African Queen? Okay, so anyway. not Chris, um, but, but yeah. probably Hottie. Um, Christopher Plummer really made the part his own. Can we just talk about how, um, and it's probably in the musical too, yeah. um, <laughs> the like random like puppet goat thing yeah, that happens so in the Lonely middle of Goated it? is not in the musical with the puppets oh, in the same way. Okay. Um, Do they are they on stage things? Is this like pre cats like dancing around the stage? No, no, it's like I think. I mean, again, I'm just going off different versions of it that I've seen. Okay. Um, but I remember that. Is it a song that's often cut? Because I would cut the fuck out of no, that. No, 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 no. They the keep the, the that's me, like the Hobbit. Stays. Okay, so also I'm just like little, the, the, the little the puppets are great. They are so cool. I little really, really tangent. Okay, so like. If you can cut something out of a film, like in the first Hobbits film where they're chucking around dishes, this is exactly that equivalent of like, we don't need this right now. I can't remember what purpose it serves in the plot. Well, in the plot, it's this is a thing. In they're the, just having some silly burger. In the movie, like there's a big storm. All the girls, the, the kids have all just been dressed in those clothes that she made out of the curtains. So they're all in their matching play That's outfits. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big storm. And the, the little kids get frightened. They all go into Maria's room and they're hiding in the bed. And then she sings My Favourite Things. But in the musical, she's already sung My Favourite Things earlier, I think, in the nunnery. They're just... Um, and so they sing the lon- she sings The Lonely Go-To. No, she doesn't sing it in the nunnery. What are you These talking are about? Oh, no, no. T- I'm talking about the musical as opposed to the movie. You oh, seen I the see. Oh, don't okay. uh, don't question me. Well, well. <laughs> oh, so she sings my favorite things in the nunnery in the musical. Yeah. So the apparently I can't I can't remember this like from seeing it, but yes, I think she and the mother Abba sing it together. Um, but yes, anyway, so we're missing the plot. Anyway, as well as she and the captain finding love, she's also taught the children to sing, which, you know, this is based on a historical story, but it is incredibly fictionalized. And one of the fictionalizations is that Maria did not teach the children to sing. They already were a family band before. Did um, they escape? Please tell me that. There. Oh yeah, no, the, okay. the Von Trapps, the Von, the Von Trapps Trapps get out. Yeah, yeah. still perform today. What? They're descendants. They were like great grandchildren, blonde looking Von Trapp family that's amazing like, i think it was like maybe oh, i think they might have just retired but like right. i looked at it and it, they were like in their 20s because it's the like grandchildren or great-grandchildren of the original von traps that are still performing um 
so yeah, no, they're 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 still around. Um, but the the Von Trapps became become the Von Trapp family band. Um, and then part of their plan for escaping from the Nazis, which happens in the second act of the play, is that they go and they they're in this sort of um, concert, and then they sing Edelweiss, which is um, you know a very symbolic song because it sim- symbolizes the the power of Austria, um, as opposed to yeah German occupation. So that's a uh, um, oh what's the word uh, fierce rejection a revolutionary. It's a revolutionary act. Act. Um, and so then, you know, they're in this music competition and this concert. The judges decide on the prizes. And then the Von Trapp children all sing So Long Farewell, which they already sang earlier as like a practice. Um, but they... Um, Wait, they sing that hi- in the concert? Is that yeah, right? they sing it again. Oh, but then right. they, they go and hide and then they, they escape while the judges are working out who's going to win the competition. Uh-huh. Um, so when they get first prize and they don't appear and the Nazis <gasps> chase them and they have to go and run away... Um, Which you all learn much, much later after. Yeah, after well, I knew wedding. that it happened, but I didn't right. know that exactly how it happened. Who gets? They just get married. The main two get married. Maria. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, what the Nazi boy? He just. She's so yes, just this thing. Rolf is one of the Nazis that chases them, um, and they're all hiding in. Um, oh, it's him who lets them. Yeah, so they're, they're, so they're, abandoned they're all hiding the at the abbey. In the abbey. Um, oh, okay. Round by the church it's area. It's not abandoned. Okay. And well, it's they're they're in a in abandoned part of them ruins um, and they're all hiding around the ruins area or the, the graveyard sort of area um and then rolf sees them but then he sees liesel who was his love before and he doesn't tell the nazis um and so they all the nazis leave and are tricked and the yeah. montraps escape over, by climbing over the alps hmm. and the nuns all just sing climb every mountain and now it's literal instead of earlier <laughs> do you have a favorite song from this show um let's see uh Favorite things, a few of my favorite things is pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, just because it's such a ditty. Like, and you can just, so for people that like, for for me that like doesn't sing particularly all that much, it'll just like crawl into my head like a little worm and just be like, oh, you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're singing, you know, these are a few of my favorite things. What's the, what's the official, my favorite things. Yeah. Then you're singing my favorite things. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and it teaches you something, you know, I feel like the kids have just been taught a little bit of how to sing, if that's fictional or not. Um, but favorite yeah. Favorite things. Oh no. Do Re Me is the one that teaches them. Oh yeah, sing. no, I'm thinking of Do Re Me. But I do like favorite things too. Basically. Is Do Re Me the one you're thinking of, all of the rest of that? That was applying to that? No, wait. <laughs> so a needle falling thread. Yeah, that's Do Re Mi. Oh, yeah, so I'm thinking of Do Re Mi. Do Re Mi um, is James's favorite, not my favorite things. These are a confused. few of my favorite things. When the, oh, that's when my favorite the, things. Yeah, 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 I'm just I'm just running it through my head to see if I like that one too. I like them both. Um, basically, I just want to be taught by Maria. Wherever that's... That's <laughs> Mary Martins. Shout out to you. Sorry for, for blanking you uh, and... and <laughs> wiping your name out of history i'm sure you were terrific as well mary martin is a classic musical theater performer she's most beloved for her role as the titular peter pan in peter pan oh like in the like <laughs> the broadway when with like on stage jm no no not the jam no, no that's the, the play when was the musical done um i think around the 50s or 60s who was it done by sorry just putting you on the spot i don't know oh. i have to look that up Finding Neverland was shit. <laughs> 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 uh, 
That's my two cents on uh, on oh Peter God. Pan lore. Um, um, I didn't see it, but we were around the time that it was. And Mary gl- Martin is anyway a very beloved actress of the stage. Right, right, right. Um, okay, so she doesn't need to be shouted at by me. She's she's got she's her, all good, all the cred. What's your favorite song, Cassandra T? I would say when I was young. I mean, I like I was just listening to this all the time. We had just the cassettes going in the car, and this one, this is one of those ones. I also like Maria. So, sorry, um, if you're gonna say that, Maria's bad. a good song. It's such a good um, song. I probably liked Sixteen Going on Seventeen and So Long Farewell most when I was a small kid because they were ones to sing along to. Yeah, So Long Farewell is also great because that's great. The all sleepy the, all kids, the, all the kids get a solo, which just when you're a kid, you're like, I could be a kid getting a solo. Yeah. Um, my favorite now would probably be Edelweiss. Yeah, um, that's a good one. But yeah, um, that's that's just it's. I think it's one of the ones that stands alone outside of the show the best. And in, when you are older and understand like the historical context of the show, yeah, it's yeah. got a much Beautiful. more moving um, significance to it. At the time when you're a kid, you're like, then when you're a boring. kid, you're like, this is a slow song. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me t- teach me some more about music, Maria. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I think it's it's uh, definitely got music which is like has stood the test of time, though it's not necessarily, like, you know, my favourite type of musical theatre song. I think it's a, they're all really great examples of this very classic musical theatre style of yeah. music, where there's these good mixture of, like, more comedic songs and more ballad songs. There's really, really hummable tunes. Mm. Um, like, simple kind of little ideas which are explored throughout the course of the song uh, in, a, in a very simple and clear um a neatly encapsulated way that modern musical theater has very much moved away from and so it's now sort of very classic and very old-fashioned but i think that's kind of what's great about it is that that's sort of the first kind of thing you think of when you think of musical theater songs is stuff from sound of music and similar era um for me i think um and maybe this is a thing that continues on in the future but hmm. so my main relationship with this is the movie um and maybe I hold more on like ah the movie side of things because I do know a little bit more about movies. Um, is I one of the things when I finally saw the sound of music that I really liked is um there's something just so sweet about those like little cherub faces of the kids just mm. like listening joyously to Maria as she teaches them things, just like her magnetic glow and them all just sitting. And smiling and just taking it in. Like, that and combined with the beautiful technicolor and the beautiful landscapes and shots and the magnetism of all the performers. Like, yeah, it's 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 a very immediate, gripping kind of main character. Um, that combined with all of the, the incredible music. Uh, yeah, just makes for a, a really lovely, beautiful thing. And the love story. You're, like, you're really invested with that. The love like, story's great. You're like, um, loosen up, Cap, and he does, and... Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a classic rom-com situation where you've got this, you know, the quirky, like, uh, the quirky woman with a fun childcare-related job and the, like, strict authoritarian man who needs to learn to have fun. It's like the classic, classic rom-com. Yeah, thing. and he's not so, <laughs> such author- so authoritarian that he's, That's- like... Uh, seems like a dick. Like he he does at the start. You're like, oh my god, fuck. That's this guy. always the case. Though. That's always the thing is that he that that we find out that the serious man has like a has fun a side. Yeah, and that <laughs> and that you know instead of us just pretending like oh you know he'll be fine for them. Like we genuinely do feel that we do melt towards him just as Maria does. And yeah, um, yeah, that that 
really works. Um, so, what else do we have to say about either of the plays? Well, I think it's time for the Tony Treasury Creek. That's the creek of the the old chest opening up. Yeah. Um, so, I guess we'll start with the play. I guess. It's... I mean, the play is a, is a clear It no. should be pretty clear. I mean, um, we, we, we didn't finish reading the play. We can't in good conscience put this one in the Tony Treasury. I know the one that should sneak in, like it, the old Indiana Jones, like, switch. Um, <laughs> you know, raising in the sun should <laughs> sneak its way into the but Tony But the rules treasury. of the Tony Treasury are not that Tony nominees no. can also sneak into That's the Treasury. That's true. Um, this is reserved for Tony Wynn. Oh man, only. I do that with Gypsy too. Oh yeah. man. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, and so I'm definitely a no on Miracle Worker and Fiorello, but a, a strong yes on Sound of Music. I feel like this is not controversial. No, um, it's not controversial. I feel like a lot of the time people are like, you know, there's that attitude of like, oh, it's so overexposed. I'm so over it. Yeah, Sound of Music gets a bad rap for being too cheesy, I guess. Or um, I think because people grew up with it mm. um, and the songs are very old fashioned. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, in many ways it's an old fashioned story. People sort of go, ah, oh, like that's that one's lame. It's cheesy. Um, but like, why are you watching musicals if you like chose... But, uh, earnest and beautiful. Like, yeah, and I think it's it's important to think of it as a you know a product of its time in which it is it's it's very much a classic in the same way that like lots of classic film and lots of classic musicals and plays are dated definitely like in terms of its musical style in terms of the simplicity of the story and its characters. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot that still dates the sound of music, but there's so much more that is really wonderful and and unlike so many of the other musicals that we've covered that are still produced today that have like these major major flaws to them like south pacific does like king and i like um you know uh my fair lady hmm. but you know both of these being like king and i my fair lady being shows i really like <laughs> um yeah. and you know kiss me kate is still being produced they're doing a Very revival cool. of that on broadway um sound of music doesn't have any like problematic bit <laughs> like, no 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 there's no bit we have to... and in fact like you know in today's world uh you know a play about how nazis are bad is more <laughs> we need that and really they established it it's it's a further relevance and they needed it at the time as well i mean so much of this work that we've been talking around with the the tony club is you know work that is reacting to the wars that have occurred yeah this and... is very much a post-world war Two play in the same ways that so many other things are even though it's a romance um but it's it's a it's a romance with that very serious setting i think what sums up my relationship with sound of music really well is that i read a i think it must have been an autobiography of richard burton who when i was young i idolized a lot because i used to be drawn to uh very dark brooding men (laughs) but then i realized that a lot of them were dicks and tools and just awful awful dudes um uh and richard burton is is not is, is a very problematic kind of person and he was very bitter and angry uh that the sound of music a very silly kind of musical i think and he wrote in his letters to liz or something like that that um yeah like why is this getting all of the attention it's just philly silly dumb fluff um uh and so now and at the time i was like oh yeah yeah richard knows what it's like he's all brooding and dark and now i say fuck you uh, richard burden that is uh yeah you, it, it, let people it's enjoy joyous. things yeah. which are sweet yeah. and earnest yeah um and particularly a thing like this which i think uh, is for many people something that they encounter in childhood 
um, and sticks with them because of that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's it's important to have musicals which can grow with a person that you can see as a as a kid, and then um, I guess come to understand and appreciate more and differently as you get older. And I think that's that's really what is the making of a classic, and that's why it's a perfect Tony Treasury fit for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the recently with Mary Poppins as well, you feel a similar kind of. Oh, Mary thing. Poppins is better than Son of Music. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Poppins is wonderful. I mean, it's just how people reacted to Mary Poppins Returns in terms of just kind of sums up the the divide between people of like, oh no, uh, you know, terrible, dumb, silly, had no plot versus like, ah, oh, made me Mary feel Poppins is not supposed to have a plot. <laughs> um, but I guess that we're, we're getting we'll, we'll touch on Mary Poppins did it win a um, Tony? did it is it it's not not for a long time no. the stage musical didn't happen for a long time yeah no no the, very the true musical. yeah I don't know if it did win a Tony no um, mm. also we should mention I saw it before I forgot to mention that Fiorello also won a Pulitzer one of the only musicals interesting there are very very Prize. few Pulitzer Prize winning musicals Fiorello does not deserve that I know I've got to say and also, Raisin in the Sun was that year. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Hamilton is another one of uh, that that won the Pulitzer. That's right, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, that all just ties it all together. Um, <laughs> segueing. No, I really liked your ending, and then I kept on talking about yeah. Mary Poppins. We are Dunskies for this round of the Tony Club. This yeah. was really fun. I had a great time. Uh, I like the looser kind of structure. Um, so we're going to try and make this a little bit more regular. We're going to try to get we're back gonna try on We're going to try to actually do this podcast sometimes. Um, no promises, but we will give it our best. Um, do you have any final thoughts? No, Paris? I guess we'll just finish off with... I'm Cassandra Teese. And I'm James Kane. And that was the, the Tony, Tony Club. Club. Oh, that's not the music. That's something like that. <laughs> I was doing the, the Mad Men something. And the man falls.